0: If you'll turn in your Bibles, we want to begin looking in Genesis, the second chapter. Genesis, the second chapter. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm sure tired of hearing bad news, tired of all of these issues that keep coming at us. I was startled and just stunned by reading an article that related the number of mass shootings and such since the time of the shooting in Uvalde. I'm just absolutely blew my mind and those are sad awful things are they not so for a little while this morning let's take a vacation from that okay i love a vacation don't you now i'm talking about a real vacation i'm not talking about the legendary mccool vacation where you go off and run for 13 or 14 hours a day seeing every possible thing that you can see And then when you get home, you're tireder than when you left. (laughs) I'm talking about a vacation. I I think it may be one of the only two or three times in my life I've experienced it. When Sister Tracy took me down and our family down to the beach the week after I had surgery and I couldn't go into the office and I didn't feel like doing anything. So all I did was just lay around. And that was a real vacation. I came back refreshed. So if if you're in one of those vacation modes where you're run, 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 and then you're so tired when you get back, that's not a real vacation. (laughs) Let's take a holiday, let's look at the Word of God, and see what it says about the God of the holiday, or the God, as I will put it, the God of the festival, okay, because that's what holiday means. And if you want to know where the idea for holidays, special occasions, special celebrations, if you want to know where that came from, it came from the heart of God, because He is the God of the festival. So, we're going to look at a general view of the God of the festival this morning. And then, Lord willing, if the Lord continues to lead, I want to look specifically in the days to come at the individual festivals that God implemented Himself. You understand, our God is not this frowning, angry, upset God with us all of the time, making sure you don't step out of line and He's going to smash you. Now, listen. God is also a God of judgment, and if we're disobedient, just like your parent would discipline you as a child, that's his role. He's supposed to do that. But I'll tell you, many times my dad disciplined me, and I've told you what he would do. After he would spank my brother and I, he'd say, now come here and give me a hug and tell me that you love me. That was harder than the spanking. (laughs) But you see, his frowning face disappeared in his love after that discipline was over. So don't think that I'm up here saying, well, you know, God is love and there's no nothing other than love and acceptance of everything. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the heart of God. But in this little holiday that we take here this morning, I want you to see how his heart is toward his people in festival, okay? So I don't know if you need a vacation, I need one. I need a vacation, a holiday from all of the stuff that we're hearing. So. I hope you'll pray for me, and I hope that you'll go with me in what I would call a deep dive into the God of the festival. And I don't mean it's too deep that we can't understand it, but I want to take a deep dive into this because I think it's important. So let's look at Genesis, the second chapter, as we consider the God of the festival, the God of festive joy. And by the way, the word festival is where you get the word feast from in our English language. Look at chapter 2 of Genesis verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it, in the seventh day, he had rested from all his work, which God created And made. Now notice verse four. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So God, and I've said this before, it doesn't mean that he was tired because God does not grow weary or get tired, but it means that he was finished. And in his omnipotence and in his sovereignty, he determined that that seventh day, the day after the end of creation would be a day of rest, a day of holiday. That's what it means. Now notice how seven recurs there in the scripture. He says the seventh day, he sanctified the seventh day. Consider the number seven when it comes to the God of the festival. Because our God is a festive God. He desires to celebrate with his people. And he built it into the Jewish calendar. And by the way, I hope you'll see as we conclude here today that we're still doing some of the same things today. So consider the number seven. How many days in a week are there? There's seven. In the Jewish festival calendar, they had a seventh day Sabbath rest. Sabbath means Saturday, okay? First day, I know we all know this. We don't have to go back to one plus one equals two, do we? The first day of the week is Sunday. The last day of the week is Saturday, and it was referred to as the Sabbath. The seventh day Sabbath was a holiday for the people of Israel, okay? Add seven more Sabbaths or Saturdays and you come to the festival of Pentecost. You go into the seventh month of the year. That's when the day of atonement occurred. And then the seventh year was a Sabbath year. The entire year was a Sabbath year. And then seven times seven years was 49. And in the 50th year was the Jubilee. Not only did God build weekly, monthly, yearly celebrations and holidays into His calendar, but He built in an every 50-year incredible celebration. That's like the pinnacle. You know, there might be some people that never lived to see a jubilee if they died in between. In the Word of God, the Hebrew term for feasts, it begins right here in Genesis 2 where He says that on the seventh day, verse 2, God rested, he ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. And he sanctified the seventh day because that's the day that he rested or ceased from his work. So you'll find that this is the origination of the feast, okay? And prior to it being codified in the days of Moses, whenever Moses went up on the mountain, this was actually codified, as we say, which means it was put into law, into the Mosaic law. But before that, they were still observing the Sabbath. Now there's two or three terms in the word of God that apply to the Sabbath or the feasts, okay? And by the way, the word Sabbath is often used in the scripture to refer to different feasts that took place, okay? So let's look at Exodus 23 and 14 as we move forward and we consider how the Lord began to implement the feast, all right? Now already you had the Sabbath of rest, the seventh day when God ceased from his work. That is an automatic in the minds of the people of God. And let me say this too. One of the reasons I feel compelled to speak about this is because I believe that when we see into the Scripture about how God was the God of the festival, I believe that when we see that, we are seeing the heart of God. And you're learning something more about how God views the Sabbaths and He views His feasts and He views what you're doing here this very day. It's great to get that perspective. I mean, you might have your thoughts on it. And your thoughts could be way off. I can remember as a child, I think, oh man, it's so pretty outside and I could go play across the farm today. I've got that tree house I'm working on and i got to go to church. i got to go to this thing that mom and daddy are dragging me to. Surely none of y'all ever felt like little sinful Tim. <laughs> and now I understand. It's not something that I'm supposed to dread. or to, It's a feast of God that we're going to. It's a feast of holy things. It is the continuation of what we're looking at right here that has been perfected in the New Testament. It's been perfected by Christ, you see, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. So as you look at Exodus 23, look at verse 14. I want you to see the different terms that are used in the Scripture when it comes to the feasts, okay? Now, I've jumped forward a lot of time here, and obviously this is... After or while the children of Israel are being led out of Egypt. Several thousand years later, from the day that the Lord first implemented the Sabbath feast. But look at the word. These are different Hebrew words that relate to feast in Exodus 23 and verse 14. Exodus 23 and 14. In this particular verse of scripture, it says, Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. This is the God of the festival. This is the God of the feast. And the word feast right there, the Hebrew word, the root of that means to dance or to move in a circle or to march in a sacred procession, observe a festival, to be giddy, to be joyous, to reel to and fro. And it's applied exclusively to the big three feasts in the word of God that God implemented every year, which was Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of the Tabernacles. Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of the Tabernacles. You see, the very definition of the word is an indication of what's supposed to be taking place. You know, they're not supposed to show up with frowns on their faces, and oh goodness, here we got to go through all of this mess again. (laughs) It was supposed to be a joyous time. Now, another word that's used for feasts is the Hebrew word moedin, which means an appointed meeting. And it was applied to all of their festive seasons, all of their festivals, all of their holidays, an appointed time that God had said, This is what I want you to do. (laughs) One of the guys that I love to read is a fellow named Alfred Edersheim. And he was a, he's a Christian. He's long since passed from this life. But he wrote about Jewish tradition and about how they implemented these things. He wrote about history. And this is a quote from Alfred Edersheim. And he says, If we might venture to render the general term Moedim, which means just show up for this assembly. If we might render the general term, Moedim, as tristings of Jehovah with His people. The other term is to express the joyousness, which is to be the characteristic of the feasts. So listen, I I thought that word was interesting, the word tristings. Okay, and I wanted to look at a definition of that. Tristings, the root of that comes from a waiting place, or I like this, Brother Luke, a specific place that you're going to meet someone to go hunting. (laughs) like your favorite tree stand, your favorite place to go see where the turkeys are, or see whatever, maybe your favorite fishing spot. That's what the root of trysting means. Now, it specifically came to mean a prearranged meeting. And to keep tryst with someone, which is not even really a word we use anymore, but to keep tryst was to set a meeting time. I'll meet you there. Now, through the years, it came to involve a romantic meeting. Any of y'all ever seen The Sound of Music? And You remember whenever Roth and the 16-year-old Liesel von Traut, you know, they met in the gazebo out there, and he sang You Are 16, Going On 17, all of that. you know. Well, that didn't work out too well for them. <laughs> he was a Nazi, you know, but anyway. <laughs> Girls don't marry a Nazi, by all means. But anyway, it's a cute song, but that was a moonlight tryst. You get it? That was a tryst where they met out there in the gazebo and they wooed one another for a little while, see? So, you might think you married couples. This is taking the form of a date night, this day and time. And if you hadn't had a date night lately, which includes Sister Tracy and myself, then shame on us. (laughs) There's things that get in the way, a date night. That's like a moonlight tryst. Go on a date night. That is what that means to set a prearranged time To meet together. And it's a romantic idea. So you see how that relates to Jehovah? Oh, let me tell you something. Your God in heaven, Jesus Christ, is your holy husband. And he loves you. And he romances his people by meeting with them in festival in festive times, to show his face and to show his love for his people. He doesn't show up and start slapping us around, you see. When it comes to God's festivals, when it comes to God meeting with us, he shows up and he shows out, you might say. He is the great romancer. (laughs) Ever read the Song of Solomon? The beautiful metaphorical picture. Now, there's more than just the metaphorical picture going on there, but you have God who is the husband And you've got the wife that's demonstrated there in the woman who's in the Song of Solomon. It's a romance metaphor between the Lord in heaven and His church. You see? You understand that is your God. He shows His face like you would show up for a romantic tryst to romance one another. Because He loves you. Are you showing up for the tryst? Are you showing up for the appointment? Are you showing up for the times that God would romance you? You say, well, I don't really like the term romance because I don't really feel that type of love. Well, you should because He sent His Son to die for you so that He can romance you forever and eternity. You see? See, God loves you in that way. You are special to Him. Why do you think the comparison between the church of God and the Lord is a husband and a wife? (laughs) And if you've ever missed that, especially if you're married. I'm telling you, it'll change your marriage. It'll change your relationship when you see that your great husband in heaven gives you the ultimate example of how to romance and how to love and how to care for and lay down His life for His people. There can be no greater thing that anybody could ever do than what God did for His people, for His wife, for His bride. He laid down the life of His one and only precious Son, His, his only begotten Son, so you see these terms for feasts in the Word of God are very significant. You don't have to turn there, but in Leviticus 23 and 35, it speaks of these feasts being a solemn assembly. An assembly especially on a festival or a holiday. It also speaks in another place of it being a holy convocation. When I was going to school at Sanford University, We had these things each week called convocations. I don't know if they still have to do them. We'd have to ask a couple of our folks that go there. But you used to have to have, I think it was like 64 convos, convocations. That's what we shortened it to, convos. And, you know, it might be somebody singing. It might be somebody talking. It might be somebody, I don't know, it might be a video or something. But you had to have that in order to graduate, these convocations. And you had to get that in order to graduate. Listen, these are holy convocations, gatherings of God's people. I mentioned to you the three big feasts. Now, we're not going to talk about the three big ones today. We're going to talk about the weekly feast, every seven days. But three times per year, don't forget this, three times per year, all of the male population in the nation of Israel, whether they were deaf, lame, dumb, couldn't speak, no matter the person's condition, they were required by Jehovah to come to Jerusalem and to tryst with him. He was coming to meet with them. So if you were lame, you had to get somebody to carry you. Could you imagine the festive joy that surrounded Jerusalem three times a year at those feasts when you came and and think about the people that didn't make it (laughs) and they missed it. You see, listen, nobody could offer the sacrifice under the Mosaic law, but you, the person, you couldn't send a proxy. You couldn't send someone. You ever heard somebody say, oh, listen, I hate it. I missed that get together or whatever. I missed that worship or whatever. You know, but my spirit was there. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you can't send in your spirit there. <laughs> it's you that must be there. Three times per year in those great feasts. And then, listen, those three times per year, you had to go to Jerusalem. The Lord said, where I set my name, come there and sacrifice to me. We'll talk about those, Lord willing. But this weekly festival, you didn't have to travel to Jerusalem. It was just right there at home. It was called the Sabbath. And it started in Genesis 2 when God said, the Sabbath is sanctified. It's a day of rest. Now, as I said, the weekly festival was the Sabbath, and that's what we're going to talk about here. We'll talk about some of the others, Lord willing, another time. Think about the seventh day. Okay, the number seven is a primary cardinal number. And when it comes to spiritual things, seven is representative of an infinite number, like it just keeps going on. That's appropriate for it to apply to God, is it not? It's, it's also applied to the sacred full one, God, God three in one. And of course, it means a week. And notice back in Genesis 2 that it says that God ended his work. He finished his work. The work just means the ministry or the employment or that which he formed as a result of his labor. Now, we've talked at other times about what kind of labor that was, and it was just speak work. You know, you can read up, you can see a picture of that in the book of Proverbs. We talked about that many times, one of my favorite portions of Scripture, where it shows God, the Father and the Son, literally like they're playing and just saying, Watch this, Dad, look what I'm about to do. I just made the trees. I just made the grass. I just made the animals. I just made the fish. Not necessarily in that order, but you understand it was just speak work to God. It was joy and laughing. It says there that then I was daily before Him, rejoicing in the habitable parts of the earth. <laughs> It was just laugh, speak work. They were just laughing it up and having a great time. That's the heart of your God in creation. Now, when you come on down through the years and you find Jesus Christ on the the cross, that's the Lord bearing His holy, holy arm. And that was not laugh work. That was hard work. Because it was saving you from your sins. You see? That was when God rolled up His sleeves and went to work. But in creation, He's having the time of His life. Look what I just did. And it says God would rest. He set the Sabbath as a day of rest and He sanctified it. The word rest right there is where we get the word Sabbath from. The Hebrew word is Shabbat. And it means to repose, to desist from exertion, to celebrate, to make to rest. And it says, if you'll notice in Genesis 2, that God blessed it. Now that word "bless" is interesting when applied to God because usually we're blessing God, Right? We bless God and praise God. Bless His holy name. But here it says that God blessed the Sabbath. It means to kneel. By implication, it means to bless God as an act of adoration. To congratulate, to praise, to salute. And here God, He adored or praised the seventh day. That's amazing, isn't it? You don't find a whole lot of that in the Word of God where God is praising something, blessing something like that. Now, He blesses us all the time. And He blesses His own Son in terms of His ministry and so forth. But it's just a little unusual. Usually, we're blessing Him. Here, God is blessing the seventh day. And the seventh day of the week, let me tell you, the seventh day, yesterday, Saturday, every Saturday is a testimony to the refulgent splendor of God in creation and that He is on the throne today. People say, well... We just don't really need God. And I just don't really like the way that God set things up. And then go make your own universe. Set up your own day system. You know, it says, by the way, hold a side note in the book of Daniel. It says that in the last days they would seek to change times and laws. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Antichrist or the man of sin or the, the world system that's in place at the end of the world, whenever the Lord's about to come back, they might even change the days of the week. <laughs> so we're going to go to a five-day week or a six-day week. <laughs> well, good luck with that when it comes to seasons. <laughs> You know, God's seven-day week is a testimony to his perfection and his glory. There's no way out from that. No way out. Now, it says that he sanctified it. He pronounced it clean, ceremonially. Now, as we move forward into back into the book of Exodus from Genesis, that's a lot of ground to cover. But I want you to see where it started. Your festive God, the God of the festival, set Saturday every Saturday as a festival. As a festival, and you come forward into Exodus, the twelfth chapter, and on a Sabbath day in late March, first of April, that's when the first big feast was observed, and it was called the Passover. It was on a Friday night, because you remember the Jews, their day is from evening to evening. That's very confusing and hard for me to get that through my head. But the Sabbath begins on the evening of Friday, and it goes over to Saturday evening. So many, many years later, you have God leading his people out of Egypt, taking them out on a Friday night at midnight, turns into Saturday. And on a Sabbath day, the first Passover was observed. That's significant. Now, we're going to look at that later. But it's significant to understand how God ties all of these things together to His festive mind. You see? The Sabbath was significant because God ceased His work. The Sabbath is significant because that's the day they came out of Egypt. The Sabbath is significant because that's when redemption came to us. And by the way, the Sabbath was codified in one of the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Exodus 20 and 8, you know, He says, remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, all this to do about Sabbath, 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 Sabbath. And some of you are thinking, why are we meeting on Sunday? If you'll keep coming in the weeks ahead and we talk about this, I will prove and show to you without a doubt even more than what you have thought in the past about why we meet on Sunday. It's more than just the day of Jesus' resurrection. It's more than that. And it's beautiful. And it has to do with the God of festival. You'll see why we do meet on Sunday. Why we don't meet on Saturday anymore. We meet on the first day of the week instead of the last. Now look with me to Exodus 31. we got to move along with this. Exodus 31, I want to cover this very quickly. Exodus 31 and verse 15. He says, Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. That was pretty major, wasn't it? (laughs) Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Now notice right there where he says, keep the Sabbath. That is literally saying they will Sabbath the Sabbath. (laughs) That's what the word where it says, keep the Sabbath to observe it through their generations. They will Sabbath the Sabbath. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. See that? So what you've got here is the Lord putting this in the Mosaic law. And where he says it will be a sign, you notice that? A sign is a signal or a flag or a beacon or a monument, an evidence, a mark, a token, a miracle even. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what, the easiest thing that the Israelites could do was go and observe the Sabbath from week to week. It was just kind of like a no-brainer. Now You can translate that over into our day and time. The easiest thing that God's children can do from week to week is observe the New Testament Sabbath, which is the Sunday morning of worship. <laughs> If you start thinking about worship like God thinks towards worship and the festive mind that God has and the heart that He has for His people to come and romance His people, then you won't necessarily see as many warts and pimples on the person sitting next to you. You get it? You're coming to tryst with Jehovah. Whether I'm up here preaching, Brother Luke's up here preaching, or there's three people here, or there's 150 people here. Your focus, it's great to see your friends. It's wonderful. It's great. I love seeing my friends. It makes it even better. But I'm coming to see my God. You see, I'm coming to see Jehovah. I'm coming to see Christ as best that I can. And the best way that He laid out for us to see Him is through the worship in the New Testament. There is nothing that you have more important. There's no excuse that anybody could give. You know, I had somebody get really mad at me one time. I preached a sermon about church attendance. And somebody got really mad at me about that. I can't believe you were preaching to me. Well, I wanted to say, well, yeah, that's what preaching's all about. <laughs> but, but I looked at him and I said, how can you say I'm preaching to you about church attendance when I don't even know what Sunday you're going to be here? Y'all yeah, get that in a minute. <laughs> how can you say that? you making one out of four Sundays a month or one out of five Sundays. I don't know what Sunday you're going to be here. And I'm not going to change my message just to suit you. Because <laughs> I'm not coming here to tryst with you. I'm coming here to tryst with Jehovah. You see that? Amen. The easiest thing God's people can do from week to week is come and have a festival. Have a holiday with God. So I've let the cat out of the bag. Guess what? You're on holiday right now. You're on the special event, the special occasion that God designed. You're festive God and His heart towards you is for you to come and worship Him on a week-to-week basis and come and romance with God. Come and see the love that God has for His people. Come and hear about the covenant of redemption that before the foundation of the world, the Lord had a love for you and He chose you even though you didn't deserve it. You had no obligation to it. He obligated Himself and obligated His Son so that He would come and worship, that you would come and glorify Him for that on a week-to-week basis isn't that glorious I like what brother Luke said a minute ago you know if if that kind of steps on your toes or gets at something that you're dealing with well that's just the Lord ministering to you (laughs) I didn't plan this sermon for you I planned it to honor God you see to tell you about the heart of God about our festive God let's move along very quickly so what happens what happens on Sabbath Friday afternoons in in the Jewish culture Everything's shut down Everything took place. Everything was quieted down. Everything was shut down. And they would come for the they would come for the Sabbath meal. And look, this is legendary. I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't researched it, but they say that the Jews throughout the years, in terms of thinking about the Messiah, that they would set an extra place at the table. I'll put in my little plug for the the series, The Chosen. You know, there is a scene in there that I just wept my way through. Whenever uh, the Mary Magdalene set an extra place for the Messiah, and they did that week after week after week, year. Year after year, century after century, wondering in when, when that time would come, when the Messiah would actually come to Shabbat, when the Messiah would come to the Sabbath and He would fulfill all of the Messianic prophecies. And in that particular series, which is great, <laughs> the Messiah does come and sits at that empty place. It's beautiful. You talk about some of the filth that's out there, Brother Luke. That's some good stuff that's out there that you can put in front of your eyes instead of the filth that's out there. So they would shut everything down in the afternoons and they would have a sacred assembly. It might just be in the home. In the temple far away, the showbread would be renewed and the drink offering would be renewed and the sacrifices would be renewed for the Sabbath. But in your home, it was time to celebrate and it was time to relax and it was time to take a breath. And in that agricultural society, I know some of you grew up on farms, some of you still live on farms, some of you still do farm work. I tell you, the old farmer needs a break, doesn't he? (laughs) I tell you, my dad, my dad was good about that. He'd take that Sunday break. Yes, he would. And I remember one time, there was one time through the years that dad had some hay that was down. I was a little bitty fella. He had hay that was down and it was too green and the rain was coming. And he said, I just got to get it up. You know, my ox is in the ditch. Everybody uses that excuse for Sunday to miss Sunday. You know, my ox is in the ditch. And so dad got that green hay up and and the rain came on Monday. He did that on Sunday and the hay barn burned down. (laughs) The green hay caught on fire and burned the hay barn down. Dad said, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) What a lesson to have to learn. The hay caught on fire. (laughs) You see, they shut everything down. And they came to celebrate their festive God. In the time of Christ. Oh my goodness. I'm not going to try to do this in two minutes. Because it's too good. It's too good to look at and try to shorten it down and do it in two minutes. What we'll look at next time are some examples and places in the New Testament where the God of the festival comes to His own festival. He comes to the Shabbat, to the Sabbath. And I'm going to leave you with this in Luke 4 and 16. And we're going to close here this morning. And we'll pick it up next time, Lord willing. Luke 4 and 16. This is the God of the festival walking around in human flesh. The God-man. The heart of God is on the earth walking around. And it says that He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, listen to the language, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. This is the weekly Sabbath. And he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now this is God himself. This is the God of the festival coming to his festival. And I want you to see what he's doing at his festival. He stands up to read the word of God. And he's reading about himself. He says from Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set it to them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. My goodness, what an amazing event this was. When the God of the Sabbath shows up, the Lord of the Sabbath comes to his Sabbath and he begins to implement his heart to the people of God to tell them what he's here for. He does that. That's the first message that Christ preached. That's the first time that he stood up in public in terms of delivering a sermon and his heart, the festive God, his heart was towards his people. Do you hear what he says? Preach the gospel to the poor. That's you. That's me. Sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's us. To preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And child of grace, as you sit here on this morning, on this Sunday morning, which is the New Testament Sabbath worship time, as you worship here on this Sunday morning, I want you to know that even today this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Ever since Christ went to the cross and died and was resurrected and went up to the throne in heaven every year that comes every week that comes it is the acceptable year of the Lord and the God of the festival desires to worship with you he desires to tryst with you and to meet with you and to romance with you so that you can see his heart oh it's beautiful I've probably done a terrible job of of conveying that to you I'm going to tell you what I feel it in my heart and I love the God of the festival So, are you enjoying your holiday? I sure am. I sure am. Lord willing, I hope you see you Wednesday night. We'll have another holiday, midweek holiday. If there ever was a time in the existence of the world that you need a holiday, you need a break, you need a festival, you need a festive occasion, it's now. (laughs) Let's go forward, continuing to celebrate the God of the festival.